OWC Radio number 25. And like I said just a minute ago, this is OWC Radio number 25. I'm Tim Robertson, the host of the show. I've got a guest this week from the T4 show, Michael Mann. Hey, Michael. Hey, what's up, Tim? How are you? Good. I'm, man, I'm, I'm real happy that you're here this week because there's a lot of stuff to talk about. But uh, first, I want to get to know you a little bit because I'll be honest, you're probably the first person on OWC Radio that I've interviewed that I didn't know real well beforehand. So Welcome. Oh, thank you. Well, there's not much to say besides, I mean, long story <laughs> short, I'm a complete geek. And uh, and the new term, which is, I guess, a cooler term than that, is uh, tech enthusiast. And I, I, I picked the word enthusiast because when you, when you pick the word expert, you put a lot of pressure on yourself. An enthusiast gives you a lot of room for mistakes and, and growing. So You know, I think that would probably put everyone as a tech enthusiast and nobody as an expert nowadays. Yeah, well, that's the great thing about technology. It's always changing. It's always growing. There's always something new to learn. And like you just said before, there's always someone new to meet in the tech community. And it's just a great uh, it's a great place to be because it never gets old. Oh, no, absolutely. You can always learn something new from something, from someone, and and you can always pretty much keep yourself in check that you are not an expert. Well, you know, the funny thing is when I started doing the online thing, the the writing, the publishing, all this back in 1995 – Almost everything that I knew back then isn't relevant today. But yet somehow, if a dummy like me can keep up on top of it, I think anybody can. Absolutely. And in this day and age, I mean, back when we started with computers, and I actually, both of us are old enough to remember when in college and high school, there weren't any computers at all. All too well. (laughs) And even, you know, we wanted to use a calculator. That was a big deal when we were in math class. We weren't even allowed to use calculators, which were the cutting edge technology. But... I mean, in this day and age, especially with when the operating system such as Windows 7 and especially using a Mac is so much easier to not only uh, do the simplest of tasks such as word processing and Excel spreadsheets, but also really creating the stuff that we're doing right now where I'm streaming video, audio, and doing all this stuff, which is pretty much drag and drop and plug and play. Yeah, we should probably explain that. Now, we're recording this. Uh, Initially, we set this up to do an OWC radio Number uh, episode number twenty five. I keep wanting to say episode. I don't know why. I guess it's an episode. Or, or I'm sorry. I keep wanting to say issue number twenty five instead of episode twenty five. It turn into an episode if I don't get yeah, enough. Yeah, it's it's weird. Um, so so we set it up like this, but then you sent me an email saying, "Hey, do you mind if you broadcast it?" So here we are. In a matter of I don't know what an hour, we're broadcasting live. We're recording it for the OWC radio. So we're basically. We're producing two shows at the same time right now. Absolutely. We're streaming live on Justin TV and Ustream simultaneously. And I'm also recording this to disc uh, to put up on YouTube using uh, the software from Telestream called Wirecast, which is basically like, it, I can't say it's a poor man's TV production studio because it's so f- uh, feature filled that I can do anything. I can change stuff on the fly right now. Uh, I can put lower thirds in there on the fly. I can change stuff. I can change our camera angle to to basically have a shot of me or just you as we're talking. But I'm keeping it pretty much simple 
as I learn, and we're split screen right now, where I'm using something called Desktop Presenter to capture your Skype video, and it's it's the closest thing. Is I the only uh, analogy I can put is what Leo Laporte uses on Twit, which he has a much more expensive uh, piece of equipment called the TriCaster. So. I, I think I'm okay with this $500 piece of software. You know, I wonder, with the price of everything coming down over the last 10 years, progressively when it comes to broadcasting, and especially in distribution channels, do you think that we're on the cusp of an explosion in user-generated shows like these? I mean, we have YouTube right now, and everyone's uploading the funny kitty videos, but that really doesn't count. I'm talking actually producing a show that other people are watching. I don't. I don't really know about that. I mean, uh, just the age of YouTube has enabled people to upload stuff, and I think with with smartphones and mobile devices, uh, being able to really upload stuff to YouTube all, almost automatically for somebody with no guesswork except username and password. Uh, I don't really think so. I think Macs are really uh, going into people like us who are, who are taking that next step from consumer to enthusiast who want to create stuff. But I think at the core, say people who buy a Mac and have a digital camera or want to put their home movies in iMovie 09 and then put them up to something like Mobile Me, that's growing exponentially because Mobile Me is like $69 a year with a new Mac and and pretty much all the software is there for free and integrated with iLife 09. I, I don't think most people, people are just picking up on the iPhone, Tim, and saying this is a great phone, but it did, it did take a little while for the general consumer to even catch on to the iPhone and, and really make it to the phenomenon that it is right now. Well, let's back up a time a little bit. Let's go back. And when you first got into technology, what was it that drew you in? And how did you become the host of the T4 show, the guy who created it? I mean, you're your own boss when it comes to this show. Now, how did all this – but go farther back. How did you get into technology to begin with? Well, I think the main reason is if you listen to my shows and you watch the videos, I fall into what I say is the category of 3%. 3% meaning that everything, every defect, everything that's ever broken, anything that can go wrong and will go wrong <laughs> is technology has happened to me. And I call that the 3% because usually that's the percentage after I research that stuff fails on people automatically from the time they open up the box. So... I was kind of thrust into the technology uh, thing because I said, wow, I'm, I'm troubleshooting all this stuff. I'm helping people with their computers. I used to work in uh, corporate America doing Y2K fixes, Windows NT migration. And actually using that stuff is what made me start using a Mac because I got sick of all the headaches. <laughs> but, uh, but really, you know, all the failures and all the stuff and all the trouble I went through, I said, man, I'm doing all this stuff. I might as well document it and really try to help people at the same time and I thought that would be a cool resource because I YouTubed everything and I couldn't find any information on the stuff to help me so I figured why not start it myself you know a lot of people start that way they they look for the information online they don't find it so they just create the content themselves put it out there and a lot of people I think especially in this day and age that's how they got started as a writer as a podcaster as someone that does video casting I don't think that that's really um, the oddity anymore. I think that's more and more people are getting started that way than any other. Absolutely. And I think that's why the term tech tech community is so uh, important to me and to you and to other people because it just keeps growing. And, and I don't like the people. There are certain people out there that try to protect their, their state secrets or their secret sauces on how they do things. And yeah. 
I've run into maybe more people such as, you know, anybody on Twitter, people at Mac sales. Uh, recently, I, I ran into a guy from the Tech Buzz uh, who basically showed me how to use Wirecast. And he got on Skype video with me, showed me everything they do from beginning to end, how to do it, and even, you know, gave me his, he gave me his information, say, hey, if you ever any trouble, just please feel free to contact me. And I think that's the essence of tech community, and that's the stuff that keeps me involved with it is the, the positive uh, people that are involved. There is a huge community surrounding it. It's It's kind of surprising when you – step back and you look at other industries, you don't really see that com- sense of community, I guess. It's it's just not there. But in the tech community, we all try to help each other out. Hey, I saw you have a problem on Twitter and here's a solution for you. Even if they have a product that's exactly the same as yours, i.e. Uh, a TV show, if you will. And they're they're helping you out. They're giving you the answers that you're looking for. Why do you think that is, though? I don't know, but one thing that bothers me uh, about YouTube and a lot of these things with technology, and we're talking about obviously the most recent happenings is the uh, the iPhone uh, fourth generation Gizmodo debacle. Uh, it seems like the negative, as in anything else in, in in TV, movies, or anything in mainstream media, the negative is always outweighed outweighed on the front uh, more so than the positive, like on YouTube, a lot of the negative videos, the negative tech reviewers or the stuff that, that, that in general is negative is always spotlighted or featured, but the positive stuff, the productive stuff and, and the really good information, you really have to dig down deep. Don't you agree to see that stuff on YouTube? Unfortunately? Yeah. You know, I guess the squeak wheel always gets the grease, but there's so much good content out there. And then when something like what Gizmodo does makes all the headlines, it gives the entire press, a tech press anyways, a really black eye. I mean, yeah, it, it was horrible. Let's talk about that for a minute. What do you think? If if someone called you up out of the blue or emailed you and said, hey, I've got the fourth generation iPhone here and it's yours for $5,000. And then you can, of course, take pictures of it and post videos knowing that you're going to get the coverage that Gizmodo did. Would you be interested in doing that? Uh, not if I lived in California, because I, I'm, pretty, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty up on California law, especially as of late, and I would make sure. Now, if somebody had the fourth generation iPhone and they wanted to sell it to me, honestly, what I would do, it sounds weird to say, I would take it off their hands and then return it to Apple, because I think the Apple karma that you would get, oh, yeah. Apple would treat you, would, would return it, you know, 10 or 50 fold than that than the the coverage you would get on your site or on your YouTube videos. And I really do believe I would not go anywhere near uh, trying to destroy someone's career, especially when they went to school for all that time and went to become a software engineer. Yeah, that's and, a pretty amazing that they they posted pictures of the guy who lost it. I don't want to say his name, but they they posted pictures of the guy, what he did, the bar he was at, the type of beer he was drinking. Kind of a crappy thing to do to someone, I would think. Well, very crappy, but I think they wanted to make it seem like uh, they wanted to cover their bases and not say, hey, we bought the stolen iPhone or basically we stole the iPhone from Apple. They, they, I think there was a, a very good reason for doing that and outing this guy. And, you know, let's let's talk. I mean, really, when it comes down to I'm not I love technology. I'd love to be the first to see something. But I, with Apple stuff, I'm not so crazy about seeing 
say, the SDK Beta 1 or Beta 2 on iPhone 4.0. I'm not so crazy about that because, to me, it's not the full Apple experience. Just like the fourth-generation iPhone, it's not a finished hardware product. A little bit of a hiccup there on our audio, and that was my fault. The GarageBand right out of hard drive space. I don't know how. I've, I've got like 20 gigs available. So let's pick up where you were talking about. It was a unfinished product that Apple still had under wraps, and there it is plastered all over the front page of not just Gizmodo, but every tech website at that point. Yeah, I, I just think, you know, for the, for the hits that they got, and I heard they made – $150,000 in one day off the uh, traffic of clicking sure, apps. absolutely. Like that. That's what it's about, isn't it? Money? Well, money, but what's going to happen now? There's all sorts of, they, they just searched the house. They did a bunch of stuff. Whether it's going to hold up or not, who knows. Whether well, let's to- talk about that for a minute. As uh, someone who produces a show yourself, you could consider yourself a journalist. Someday. Someday. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the question. If you obtained something illegally... And there's no question that they obtained it illegally. It's all, there's also no question that they didn't know what it was. They also knew who it belonged to. Um, but yet they still literally purchased stolen equipment, kept it for a week, did not contact Apple, posted all their stuff up there, and they waited for Apple to contact them. Well, you left out the part where they dissected the phone. That it's too, a, absolutely. Basically... I don't know what that destruction of property, that's not even theirs. Who cares if they could put it back together? Taking it apart can constitute destruction of property. And it's 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 basically uh, lost property that's been sold, which is the same as buying stolen property Absolutely. in California law. I just think Apple is going to make an example out of Gizmodo. Well, I don't think, uh, at least criminally, Apple can. It's, it has nothing to do with them. It's They can make suggestions and they could say, hey, someone stole from us. Can you please prosecute this? But Apple can't make that decision. They can civilly, uh, and I think they probably will. But here's the question. A lot of people are, especially the EI, what is the uh, electronic EIFF, I'm forgetting the the initials at this point. What is the uh, acronym for them? The Electronic Frontier. Oh boy! Anyways. Never stolen property. Well, well, uh, they're the ones that usually come to the rescue of journalists online. Um, uh, okay, they're gonna. They're the ones that are gonna institute the shield law. Yes, exactly. Okay. Now, here's my question. They're saying, well, this is a journalist. The police have a no right to have a warrant to go into this guy's house and confiscate equipment. And um, I, and I'm completely in favor of protecting journalists in, in these kind of situations. Except, I don't think that they were acting like a journalist in this situation. They, it's it's totally about stolen merchandise, isn't it? Yeah, and I think the way they the flippant attitude that they had by posting the letter and 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 re, that return letter, the reply to the letter from the Apple legal uh, department was pretty. I mean, it was pretty obnoxious the way they answered it. Like it's burning a hole in our pocket, and we camp you know maybe you can schedule a time to pick it up and uh, yeah. all sorts of stuff like that and apple's kind of weird too because i would figure that the minute they knew that gizmodo had it that they would send the apple cops <laughs> to basically go get them yeah and not, you know, and do what they're doing now or make it as quiet as they could without sending a letter uh to uh gizmodo gizmodo and uh whoever else whoever the head of gizmodo is i forget that that british guy uh but Really, I mean, I figured that, that Apple would be as underground as they could and as quick as they could to get that phone back. Well, here's a question for you, and I and I, 
you know, I've lived in the United States my whole life, but maybe I'm wrong, but I didn't think that just because you're a journalist that that would give you the right to commit a felony. I, I could be mistaken. Maybe journalists are – do they have the right to just go out and commit felonies like criminals without getting in trouble? Maybe I'm just mistaken about that, but I, I could have swore that they have to uphold the law just like anybody else. Well, not being a journalist yet, I really couldn't answer that question. <laughs> but I would think that the only thing that they could protect – Obviously, they outed, and that's the source, which is the engineer. Yeah, they they did that themselves, didn't they? Pretty much. They did not talk about the person that sold them the iPhone. I mean, here's the the weird part. There's this mystery guy, this middleman, who sold them the iPhone for $5,000. Who's to say that Gizmodo did not run into this engineer? And there's, there's a whole different story from beginning to end with this engineer. Maybe he did lose it. Maybe Gizmodo picked it up. Maybe Gizmodo's making this up. So they didn't have to. But it's even worse if they did that because then buying stolen property or lost property is even worse than keeping the lost property. Yep. So it's really not good for them either way. And it's it, it, it's not going to end good. That's my take. It's not going to end good for them because Apple, Apple has tens of billions of dollars in cash in the bank that they can use <laughs> Crush. to destroy Gizmodo. Crush. A little, little tin can. I, Backlist them to, you know, and the readers that, that ate it up with a big spoon have, I think, after realizing all this, are now trying to take the high road after they got their fix. I agree. Fix. Now they're saying, oh, we don't like Gizmodo. We, a lot of people I know unsubscribed to Gizmodo. Of course, they looked at the pictures. I looked at the pictures. Sure, I did. Absolutely. But then would you go back with the way they handled themselves post nope. story, I would say? Nope. I, I've already deleted my bookmark for Gizmodo, honestly. Uh, in fact, anything that was Gawker Media, I, I went and deleted because, I don't know, I like to get my news from a, a website or a news publication that I think would have morals. And in this situation, from start to finish, I think that they showed no ethics at all, no morals, and I'm just not going to get my media from there. And let's be honest, Michael, there's so many tech websites out there that produce almost identical content to Gizmodo that we don't need to go there. Yeah, aren't they aren't they technically Apple fanboys too? Isn't everybody at this point? <laughs> yeah, I figured they were they were very much pro Apple that something like that they would say, "Hey, this could like I said, if I returned this iPhone, imagine the access I would have at least to go to the events that I can't go to right now, at least to get I mean, we're, we're talking about Walt Walt Mossberg, uh David Pogue type uh level of uh you know, getting the iPad 24 hours before other people, getting getting the iPad. They could have got that iPhone and been able to publish it eight hours before everyone else. Yeah. Maybe before Mossberg. But they burnt some bridges in this case, that's for sure. Oh, that's <laughs> – is there, is there a way to understate that even more? Oh, boy, I tell you. So let's talk about the T4 show. How did it get started? When did it get started? And what are your plans for it? Well, uh, the show got started. T4 show stands for Tech Today, Tech Tomorrow. Now, this is a thing that I, I kind of like before I even started. I was trying to figure out, well, what am I going to call this? What am I going to cover? I'm an Apple fanboy. I'm an I'm beginning to be an iPhone fanboy because when I went to start it, the iPhone had just come out. I'm really trying to figure out. I like mobile phones. There was the show The Cell Phone Junkie. I really like mobile phones. Uh, I like Mac stuff. Do I center on Mac stuff? Do I, do I center on video games? I'm a big video game fan. So am I. Yeah, what do I do? So then I thought, man, what should I do? And then I was watching uh, the Terminator, and they were talking about the Terminator coming out, and 
I, I think it was they had the T2 logo. And I was like, wait a minute. I go, that's kind of a cool logo. Let me see what I can do, come up with something. I like all the stuff in tech. I want to cover all the stuff coming out. And then I, for some reason, I, I just thought tech today, tech tomorrow, that's four T's. Because I didn't want a big, long, I had to think of something that I could fit sure. in a logo that wasn't you know 18 characters long. So mm-hmm. I went and I did that. And, uh, you know, a little bit of backstory. I obviously, you know, the people that know me know that I've, I've wrestled for 20 years. I wrestled for, you know, ECW, wrestled for WWE for almost a decade. I wrestled for TNA Wrestling now. So a little bit of backstory. I wanted to do the show, the T4 show, on WWE.com. And I, I went to the head of media there, and I wanted to do all this stuff. I had a whole big um, keynote presentation for them, showed it to them on my laptop, it was real professional. I wanted to show them how many hits I could generate, what I could do. Showed them some test videos, a podcast. And he said, oh, this is great. And then when you're holding the phone, then uh, Mr. Kennedy can come up and hit you with the phone and knock you out. And I was like, <laughs> no, that's- my- are you effing kidding me? And I said, you know what? I'm not going to do this. I'm going to do this on my own. And I'm, I'm going to do it as Michael Manning. But you own it now, though. I mean, because oh, yeah. if you had went with the WWE for this... Let's yeah. be honest, it would have been theirs. It would have been theirs, yeah, absolutely. But I wanted the exposure at the time, and then it turned out the to be The eyeballs are good. Yeah, it turned out to be a blessing, Tim, because I look at it this way. I went into it with the attitude of not having that kind of eye, those kind of eyeballs or any of the other stuff as a crutch, negative or positive, to say, or if I went to a company, hey, by the way, I'm this guy, can you give me some review samples? I wanted the content and my performance to stand or fall on its own. No, I understand that. And there and there's definitely a negative uh, stereotype when it comes to wrestling. Um, and that if you can make it on your own, that's even better, I think. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, <laughs> there's a negative. I mean, I, I've enjoyed wrestling over the years myself. Although I have to be completely honest, I didn't know that you were in that business at all until just now. Well, that's, 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 that's good stuff. Because for me, it's just... Like I said, I when I went to these companies, when I went to Grant and Eileen and everybody else, I never, ever mentioned it. And there's still companies to this day that don't know. Companies I've worked with for well over a year that don't know what I do because guess what? It has nothing to do with anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has nothing to do with their product and the amount of time and, and effort that I put into that stuff. But I just think it's an interesting thing for anybody out there that wants to do anything, not just not just the technology podcast and stuff like that. But if somebody tries to cut you off and, st- and, and stop you from doing something or it's not your vision for what you want to do, don't take it like a negative. Take it like a positive and know that, wow, now I don't have to worry about that. Now I can. I just need to concentrate on how I can succeed at this venture. And, and I'll tell you what, I'm aiming high, Tim. I, I want to be all the way up there where Leo Laporte is, where the Twit Network is, because, you know, if I aim any lower, I couldn't reach that point. If I don't reach that point, I'm going to try my damnedest to do it because I feel like I have the passion and the the drive, the drive to, yep. to to get there. But by the same token, I hope that I've I've been a bit advocate for people for many many years to get into podcasting because a it's not very difficult, b it doesn't cost a whole lot of money to do, and c if you're passionate about it, you're really going to enjoy it. So everything that you're saying is I'm 100 percent behind you as long as you're having fun and that you're enjoying doing it. Oh, absolutely. I've never, I've never once looked at it from, oh my God, I got to monetize it. I got to monetize this as soon as possible, or I got to do this and that. For me, it's 
the the thing that I always look at, say, you know, we always have things that change us throughout our lives. And something happened to me a few years ago where I said, I'm going to make a promise to myself every day that every day I'm going to make a positive, productive change. And on top of that, I'm going to learn something new and try to really, you know, better myself, you know, whether it be spiritually, emotionally, mentally, physically, uh, not so much financially, but, you know, I, uh, you know, mentally Although financially would be nice as well. Financially is nice, but you, you, you when, when you do all that stuff, I, I have a feeling the money will fall into place eventually. And that's what happens. You create opportunities when you really try your best to do something you already love and have a passion for, which for me is technology. How did um, you get into the technology? How, how did you get the respect? And I, I know how I got into it. When, for instance, when I was in high school, um, I hated tech. I mean, I played football. You know, I, I drove fast cars. I was working on cars all the time. Um, oh, you were the guy that the guys that beat me up in high school. <laughs> no, I was third. Um, I, I I wasn't. I was just the opposite. And it wasn't until uh, my first daughter was born, or actually right before she was born in '94, that my then wife, ex-wife now. Um, we thought my th- she's going to have to get into computers more than we'll ever get into them. So we should have a computer as she's growing up so she's not afraid of them. She's comfortable with them. She'll already know how to learn on them when she gets to school. And so that's how I got into technology. And it was for, at the time, I thought it's going to help my daughter who knew where it was going to take me. But I'm kind of curious on someone who was kind of in that culture in school. Like you said, you were kind of a nerd – and then if you if someone looks at you now, this is an audio podcast on my side that I'm recording, so they can't see you, but you're kind of a big guy now. No one would ever confuse you with a nerd. So yeah. How, how did that transition happen? Well, I, you know, it, I was always a nerd. I was always a computer guy. I was always helping people with their stuff. Uh, but I broke my neck, and I actually, wow. short time, retired from wrestling. I uh, went to get my Microsoft uh, certification for networking. That's when I worked in Y2K Solutions. Uh, in 98, 99, that's when I uh, started to work in network administration and level one help desk and hardware software fixes and all the all the good stuff uh, when you're doing Windows NT migration at 2 or 3 a.m. <laughs> yeah. Get people over and, and doing stuff like that. So The gravy train years, really. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah from you, 97 to 2001 was for IT was – you could it was a time to print your own money. Well, I worked for a place called PC Help Services in Philadelphia, and, and man, they, it, the good part, I took this attitude and I, I pretty much uh, used it with my wrestling career, career from now on, and especially with the tech stuff with T4 Show. I noticed that if I just tried my best, didn't ever think that, you know, didn't ever have the attitude of, well, that's not my job, that's not what I do. If I just did whatever I was told on a temp assignment, you know, that temp assignment for a week turned into a month, and then the one for a month turned into three. And then uh, Community College of Philadelphia wanted to hire me full time. Wow. You know, which I was like, wow, great. I'm done with wrestling. I'm going to do this full time. My boss is nice. I get to go to school for free. And then uh, uh, WWE hired me (laughs) the day after I got the job offer at Community College of Philadelphia. So I just said, well, I'm going to take the money here and I'm going to go back to the tech and go back to school and do all that stuff. Uh, You got to take the money. Yeah, I took the money, but I, I knew that I, I would never stop bettering myself in that way and never stop the thirst for knowledge, especially when it comes to technology. I knew back then. I was like, man, we're on the, the verge of something. And I haven't even discovered a Mac yet until 2001. Hmm. I knew it was on the verge of something cool. 
And then when I discovered my G4 Quick, uh, the Quicksilver, I was like, oh my God, are you kidding me? This is, and I, this is before I even started podcasting. This is even before I started video stuff. So it, 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 every day it was just some new discovery that was, that was really positive and awesome. So where are you at today when you look at your the tech around you? What's your favorite items to play with? Obviously, you're a Mac guy, so you like that. But uh, what are your new tech items that you're just, like, really crushing on right now? I I think. Yeah. And uh, let me bring him back up because you know what happens. Skype just decided to drop him right in the middle of a call. I hate when that happens. So uh, find him back here in Skype and uh, hit the little call button. And uh, bring him back into the show. Sorry about that, folks. And Hi, Tim. <laughs> I, I, I forgot to uh, to uh, make a sacrifice to the Skype gods this morning, I think, because that's the second time it's happened. Hey, I have Fios. So <laughs> I'm hooked up, and I got everything. I got the pogo plug disconnected. I got the tornado plug disconnected. It's, it's definitely on my end. I'm on a fiber system here, which is usually pretty fast, but I think that the fiber system knows that I'm going to a, a dedicated DSL line tomorrow, so maybe it's – it's uh, throwing a hissy fit my way. I don't know. Uh, so you said, uh, I, I was asking, what's the big tech items that you're into right now? I would say I'm always a, I'm always a video file. I'm always, I just got the Canon HV40 for my, to, nice. to increase my uh, stream wirecast because there's an HDV option. And I'm a really, I think the quality I have right now with the Logitech 9000 is pretty good. Uh, but I'm I'm going to try to up it and do it a la what you're doing, the Chris Perot type uh, setup where you're kind of looking at the screen and the, the, the camera's off to the right. Well, that's just the camera in the MacBook Pro. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, I think everything, really. I mean, the two things that, I, that were my weaknesses before were uh, photos especially, and I have a, a DSLR, a Panasonic, uh, uh, what is it, a GH1? Uh, that I'm learning with Aperture and Lightroom 3. Nice. And I'm also become an audiophile with my Mackie Pro FX8, which, by the way, if you're intimidated by a mixer or if you think you have to go Firewire to get really good uh, sound, the Mackie Pro FX8, which costs around $229, if you plug it into your Mac and you go into your system preferences and you pick it as uh, as the default system input... Every bit of audio, YouTube, iTunes, everything, you will not need to hijack your audio at all. It just all routes through the mixer. Nice. It's beautiful. And I also have my iPad connected to it when I want to play Google Voice calls and do stuff like that. So, How, do you, how are you liking the iPad? I love the iPad. I actually sold my MacBook Pro. Really? Do the iPad experiment. It's called the iPad Effect, I think, on, on Twitter. And I sold it. And I find myself not needing the... Uh, I'm needing the MacBook Pro so much, but I am going to get probably the 15-inch i5 after seeing your unboxing on uh, MacSales.com. Uh, but the iPad is the iPad is great. It's great for doing uh, P90X at the gym or watching movies while you do cardio. I use my Bluetooth stereo headphones with it. It's a consumption uh, device, though. Very much so, but I also think it's a productivity device if you use uh, especially a Bluetooth keyboard because I'm going to type up show notes for my podcast tonight using uh, pages on the iPad hmm. and uh, other stuff like that. Plus, uh, there's lots of PDF readers and lots of other stuff. And I think I think the strength of the iPad, more so than even the iPhone, is the, um, is the games. Oh, I, I totally agree. I've always liked games on my iPhone, but it was just too small for me. My thumbs would cover it and couldn't see anything. But with the iPad, totally different story. 
like Nova. I don't know if you've played that game. It's kind of a first-person shooter, Halo type of game. On the um, iPhone, not on the iPad, yeah. Yeah, well, I played it on the iPhone, and it was just everything was too small for me. Um, yeah. I downloaded it yesterday, and I played it for a good 10 minutes yesterday before I finally had to quit and pry myself away from it. I was enjoying it. Totally different experience on the iPad. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll tell you this. I, I, I think, that, you know, Apple does this to you, too. I was saying once I got the iPad, I'll never, ever buy another iPhone game again. Never do it. Forget it. And then they debut the Game Center, and I'm like, oh, I'm such a huge Xbox Live fan, and this is the Xbox Live version uh, for your iPhone. And now I'm like, wow, they better they better sell some package deals. <laughs> are you are you fr- are you full up on your friends on uh, Xbox? No, I'm not. No, you can no, throw no. out your handle if you want to. By the way, I'm Rude Crown. I don't know where it came from, but I'm Rude Crown on Xbox and PS3. So R U D E C R O W N. Yep, Rude Crown. Okay. I think it was Xbox gave that to me, you know, six years ago or so, and I just kept it. And so when I signed up for the uh, PlayStation Network, I just thought, "Ah, I'll just use the same one there. Well, that's better. Yeah, that's awesome. And uh, I'm T4 show host. Boy, that's a hard one to remember, huh? (laughs) It is pretty hard to remember. Uh, But, yeah, definitely. I'll send you a friend request and we'll play. What what type of games do you like on Xbox Live? Uh, Anything that I can play once the kids are asleep since I have four kids that range from 2 to 16. So basically when when they're out of the house or asleep, that's whatever game is there is what I'm playing. Um, But honestly, my wife lately, the last couple years, has really been into these Lego games. I don't know if you've ever played any of them, but, man, she loves them. They're kind of puzzly and action-y at the same time. She loves them. But I've been playing The Saboteur lately, and I've been playing um, Just Cause 2, which I'm really digging. But yeah, I'm a, I'm a big sports guy, so I have Madden, Madden. NBA 2K10. Uh, you know, Madden Online Leagues are great. NBA 2K10. Uh, me and my buddy play uh, Left 4 Dead 2, so if you ever pick that up, it's good to get together with a few guys and get some achievements. Absolutely. Cool. So let's talk a little bit about um, this or that. What this is, it's a game that I uh, I stole it from Kevin Pollack, to be honest. Um, <laughs> well, you got to give credit to you know. Toronto. Nobody else does that. No, it's it was his idea. I thought that's great. I'm going to use that on the uh, OWC show. So here it is. It's uh, this or that. I ask you uh, a series of questions, but it's just uh, I could say black or white, and you could say white because that's the color of my tennis shoes there's no right or wrong answer it's just up to you it's four technology questions and then one that has nothing to do with technology okay you ready i'm well give me a second hold on a second crack your knuckles (sighs) get the kinks out of the neck there can you do that can you crack your knuckles just by making a fist no, I no. can't. Nobody else I've ever met can do that except for me. Of course, when I do yoga, everything else cracks. <laughs> Not okay. Problem. First I one. Am, I am ready. Let's do it. Mouse or trackpad? Trackpad. Trackpad, really? As a content creator, I would think that you would like the uh, the control that the mouse gives you. Well, you didn't say jog shuttle. No. Multi <laughs> <laughs> gestures. I like trackpads. Green screen or monochrome? Green screen. Obviously, look behind me. Yeah, I can see behind you. You have a big green screen back there. <laughs> is it as difficult to do green screen as you thought it would be? It's as difficult to iron as I've fallen. It's always <laughs> difficult to iron and steam the green screen. Uh, other than that, no. Man. I understand you've got to have really good lighting for green screening. Though. I got three soft boxes. Actually, I got this from Tube Tape. Three soft boxes, diffuser panel, stand, the green screen, the green screen stand, and also... Um, 
a bunch of other stuff for $575. Wow. Oh, carry, carrying cases for everything, too, so you can basically take it with you. That's an awesome price. Yeah, it is. And, and no, the diffuser lights, actually, the, the soft boxes with the diffuser panels is what I'm going to use at night for the podcast to light everything. And it, the lighting comes up really nice. The lighting is trial and error, Tim. Yeah. I haven't got it down yet, but it's it's good, man. I have to say it's good investment. USB or Firewire? Oh, I gotta go. Gotta go. USB, even though I'm a Mac guy. Yeah, I, it's just universal at this point. Um, it, it's so surprising to me looking back, where I was writing about how big of a mistake it was for Apple not to include a USB, or a, I'm sorry, not to include a um, a floppy drive on the original iMac. <laughs> and at the same time, what is this USB plug? There's no peripherals for this stupid thing. No one's ever gonna. No, why nobody wants USB? And <laughs> here we are. You know, I don't know what is it. Uh, Thirteen years later, and it, did you see Sony just announced that they're going to stop making floppy disks? Just announced. <laughs> yeah, just hopefully, announced. Hopefully, they stopped announced that. Hopefully, they announced they're going to stop memory sticks too. <laughs> oh, they're just, switching SD cards, from what I heard. I oh, really? They're going to get rid of their proprietary stuff finally. You mean they're expensive proprietary oh. stuff. <laughs> it's awful. Books or ebooks? Ebooks. Yeah, so are you using your iPad for ebooks? Ibooks. 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 Well it's EPUB. Yeah, yeah I I'm a big Amazon Kindle fan and it, it was killing me to wait months and months and months because I wanted to get a Kindle two and I had the Kindle one. And I was like, oh, man, I, I know there's a tablet coming out. I know there is. I, I just can't stand it. I couldn't stand the read on my iPhone, even with stanza. Too small. Exactly. That's what she said. But uh, anyway, I have to get that in every show. So There you go. <laughs> she said just the opposite with me, so I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but I, I, I think that uh, I was so glad I waited because the iBooks are really nice. And, hey, for those people that don't that don't know this, the iBooks also give you a sample chapter just like the uh, Amazon Kindle. So Sometimes more than a, cha- a chapter. There's a couple books out there that I've downloaded. It's 40, 50 pages. It's amazing. That's did, awesome. Did you also know that if you bring in your own EPUB format, it will open and show on your uh, iPad just like anything you buy from Apple? Yes, no. yes. That I That's what I like. I, I've got a ton of uh, PDFs that I converted over to EPUB. And it's just on my bookshelf. I can read them anytime. It remembers where I'm at. I love it. I think it's fantastic. How do you, how do you convert that over to EPUB? Is there a free application from Sure. You, you can use uh, Stanza. Stanza on the Mac will convert it. You just open it up in Stanza and do a save as EPUB. It's really simple. Because I have the P90X diet uh, guide, and it crashes on every PDF reading diet. It's, it's, it's 430 megs. And I was like, yep. man, if there's a way. And I looked on Stanza. I did not see the option uh, to, to convert that over to EPUB. Go to export. And one of them will be uh, as ebook. Unless it's password protected. If it's password protected, it won't work. No, it's a general thing. It's just yep. something I got as a. Uh, It'll work. Yep. Does it have uh, color graphics in it? Yes. It does choke out on those a little bit because the color graphics don't show up right in uh, uh, an iBook. So you might want to strip those out beforehand. But to begin with, I would just go ahead and export it right from Stanzas and EPUB, drag it into iTunes. It'll sync the next time you plug in your um, iPad, and it should be right there. Yeah, the way I got around that is I took screenshots using uh, Snow Leopard of the actual diet pages. Yeah. 
and then put those in readle docs. Yeah, right. that, that could work. It did work after after a few after times. After a few, I, yeah. A few crashes, then I decided to do that. Last tech one, and then we go to a non-tech. Skype or iChat? Skype. Skype. Yes. I would usually say Skype, but after today, I might say start saying <laughs> iChat again. Well, you know what the funny part is? That, that Skype video is better than iChat video. Yep. And for some reason, the audio quality, whenever you record with Skype using Call Recorder or Wiretap Studio or anything, GarageBand, it seems like you get better audio quality than on iChat. Oh, I you just, absolutely do. It's got a much better codex for audio in Skype, no question. Um, and the funny thing is Steve Jobs, when he introduced iChat, whatever the latest version is, a couple of years ago uh, with Tiger, he really emphasized that the new audio codex that they're using in iChat makes it just sound great, and I don't hear it. I think it sounds horrible. When you listen to podcasts where they use iChat for their communications, you can tell the difference. It doesn't sound good. Yeah, and let's not forget about the you know, at least uh, screen sharing works about 20% of the time. Oh, I've, ne- yeah. I've never had that problem with iChat. In fact, that's all the relatives that I have to help. I'm like you when, you when you're the main tech guy, all your relatives call you for help. Um, yeah. And I've got them all converted to Mac now because I told them I'm not helping them with PC. Good call. I got them all on iChat, so now when they need help, that's the first recourse that I use. I have them jump on Sky or uh, iChat, providing that the the problem isn't a network problem, and uh, I just take care of their machine from there. And it works ninety percent of the time as far as what they need me to do. I can show them right there, so it's cut my driving time by ninety percent. Yeah, it's been cheaper for you to buy them new Macs, even if they didn't want them. They'll absolutely for a month. <laughs> All right, this is uh, – I'm going to use one that I've used a few times already because I like the discussion that this usually leads to. Star Wars or Star Trek? Star Trek. Oh, no hesitation at all. So Star- what is about Star Trek that you like more? I, I think the Star Trek, especially because you have all these ep- – it's episodic. The episodes of the television show over the seasons, especially Next Generation, which I'm a Trekker and not a Trekkie. Mm-hmm especially the episodic stuff through the seven seasons of Star Trek The Next Generation, the character, the first three seasons were garbage. Oh, yeah. But as the character, you knew the characters in season four, the production was up, the quality of uh, the CGI and all that stuff was right there, uh, and it was just great. And uh, I just think Star Wars, as much as it is a cult, uh, cult icon in movies, in the way it is, just besides the fact that I'm really, like, you know, I hated the fact they started such a trend of prequels. Yeah. You're going ass backwards with everything. And, and the three movies were awesome. Empire Strikes Back is one of my favorite movies. But I also think that with Star Trek, you you enter into an entire universe. And what Gene Roddenberry did it was basically, it's, it's eerie how he predicted a lot of the stuff that's happening today and has happened mm-hmm. in technology. So it's, you know, the iPad. The iPad is like straight out of Star Trek. Oh, yeah. You saw Captain Picard using one on the Enterprise. No question. Absolutely. And I just think, for me at least, I mean, Star Wars is kind of like that grainy, kind of like underground sci-fi type movie. And Star Trek, it just, you could tell it was from the future. Now, have you watched any of the Clone Wars series on uh, on Star Trek, or on Star Wars? How dare you, Star (laughs) (laughs) Um, I watched some of it. I watched some of it, but now, you know, this is what we're talking about. 
you know, when you have Star Wars, or you, I just did it, see? When you have Star Trek, <laughs> and you're talking about the original series, which was very campy, but, you know, it just parlayed into such a cult following. Then you talk about Star Trek, you talk about Voyager, you talk about Deep Space Nine. DS9 was my show, by the way. That's the one that I loved. Deep Space Nine? Mm-hmm. After nice. the third year. <laughs> Imagine that. Once well, it, it got really good at that point. Dominion Wars, right? Oh, yes. It was... I mean, they had an entire war for, what, four seasons? It was amazing. Exactly. That's when I – first first season, I said, oh, my God, you know, they're not going anywhere. What kind of space show is this? Yep. The Dominion, Dominion Wars, which I read the books, were like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Yeah. And and I just feel like when you talk about all these different – they're not spinoffs. They're actually different parts of the Star Trek universe taking place almost at the same time or at least close to each other. Mm-hmm. That's what I really dug about it. And, you know, just these different characters and the drama, and you really got attached to them. Well, then you might like the Clone Wars series on uh, Cartoon Networks. They're getting ready to wrap up the second season now. And if you actually watch it as a season, I think it's the best Star Wars. And I'm not arguing with you which one's better, by the way, because I love them both. Um, I think it's the best Star Wars since The Empire Strikes Back. I think it, it's it's more true to what the series was originally it really feels like George Lucas has his hands off of it, and I'm just enjoying the heck out of it. I'm kind of bummed out that the second season's already coming to a close because I want more. Um, Is this something that we can that makes us forget about Jar Jar Binks? Oh God, yes, yes. <laughs> but there's still some like, ugh, I wish they weren't doing that, and I don't like the whole Padme stuff. That's really boring to me. Um, but you yeah, like, you're like me with like when I'm sitting uh, sitting with my girl and watching 24. And when they start talking about, like, all these uh, – the personal issues and the love scenes, I'm like, they just want Jack to kill the damn terrorists. Yes, absolutely. What the hell or, is that? Or they keep cutting back to the to the uh, widow of the president who was just killed with her daughter. And she's, well, I, I'm so proud of you and blah, blah. I'm like, get back to Jack. No one cares about this. Come on. Get, He's mad. He's moving. after somebody. He's, we, we're, missing, we're missing some good stuff here. Plus, plus Michael Madsen was on this week. Good Lord. Michael Matson on twenty four is just amazing to me. Um, I, I gotta, I, I can't make up my mind on between the two though. So you're you're a better man than me that you can actually decide because I keep I keep flip flopping between them. Very quickly because, because then I think of Kai Wynn and how much I wanted to strangle that woman on DS nine. And uh, well, go to the convention. You can get your chance. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so. Tell us, Michael Mann, where can we find out more information on the T4 show, you, what you're producing, where are people going to go online to find you, what's your Twitter, what's your Facebook, what's all that stuff? Okay, well, the main hub for that, the social media hub, is uh, T4show.com. It's got all the uh, recent YouTube videos. It's got all the recent uh, Flickr feed. You can also listen to audio booths, podcast episodes for the simulcast, uh, which is every Wednesday night at 830. Uh, myself, Steve Trotto. Bill Stevens and Dave Valley, all different uh, tech shows coming together for one podcast and just talking about stuff. And we got unique segments coming up starting tonight that we're going to institute uh, along with Wirecast with a video uh, portion, just like we're doing. So we, you were the guinea pig. Uh, <gasps> so, yes, that's what just, she said. Well, that's what she said. Yeah. But the Wirecast version worked, but we were guinea pigs for Skype today. So we failed. But I think that was on my end, not yours. So I'll, I'll take the blame. You're the veteran. <laughs> But uh, you can follow me at Michael Mana on Twitter, 
And also, if you could please subscribe to my uh, videos at YouTube, at uh, T4 Show videos on YouTube. I have about 600 videos up right now, which is pretty cool. And I really enjoy doing them. I actually had to slow them down because I was doing too many at once. I just get very obsessive and love to to edit videos and do stuff. And it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. So, And we're going to have a lot of cool stuff. We're debuting live streams coming up with different topics such as Max, which – you know, being a Mac sales, you should like. Sure, absolutely. Uh, video games. We're going to do stuff, uh, maybe even car tech. Mm. I have a friend who's a big car a car geek. I don't so. think there's enough automobile tech shows out there like that. I mean. That's it, why I picked it. Yeah. I want to do it instead of what everybody else is doing. You know, everybody's talking about click and clack. I mean, ugh. I mean, a real car show. <laughs> I'm talking about, I'm talking about, uh, I'm talking about like how to, how to hook up Xbox 360 with an LCD screen. See, that's, and then that's what I'm to, talking about. How to, what kind of systems you could put uh, satellite TV onto your RV or even even how you can travel with Wi-Fi. I mean, cool stuff that we're going to hopefully be able to, hopefully I'll be able to get a free Viper uh, smart start for it or something because that thing's expensive. It is, definitely. Last question before I wrap up with you because um, a lot of people will obviously know you from the wrestling world. And now people are going to know you from the tech world. What do you want to be remembered as? What's your legacy? My legacy is actually I want to be the guy uh, more so in tech. I mean, probably I want Michael Manna to have a legacy, not Stevie Richards. Although that 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 character and that person for the past 20 years, I think, is, has made some sort of uh, impact, hopefully positive impact on the wrestling world. Uh, but I want to take that work ethic that I learned over the past 20 years and really uh, transform it into a great tech career where not only I can do stuff like this uh, on the media front and, uh, you know, a la like person I idolize in tech, Leo Laporte, the kind of stuff he does through all social media outlets, through live streams, podcasts. But I also want to do stuff behind the scenes. I love that one of the things I always wanted to do, Tim, and I never could do it, was go to, say, uh, a nursing home and teach teach the elderly people how to, to Hey, you want to email a photo of your grandkids? You want to? I want to do little seminars like that. Yep. Because I also teach uh, workshops at Connecticut School of Broadcasting for podcasting and editing in iMovie on i. But I really would like to do more community and uh, community type things out there, and, and for people that don't know anything about computers or. I technology. think the iPad is perfectly positioned for that. That's what I've been saying since Steve Jobs first showed it. This is the computer for our grandparents. Yeah, and I think a lot of people on Twitter talk about their grandparents and their parents using the iPad a lot more than any other computer. And I, I've heard that that's their first computer. So, but I think it'd be cool to get out there and actually be that kind of, uh, you know, uh, goodwill ambassador for technology and tell people they shouldn't be intimidated by it, that they should actually embrace it and have fun with it. I think it's fantastic. Congratulations on all your success. Uh, we wish you all the best from uh, OWC. and Wish uh, me best fucking future endeavors, and, please. And hey, hey, thanks for being on the show this week. Oh, thank you, man. I hope we can keep in touch through Twitter. And if you ever want to be on my podcast, you're more than welcome. Cool beans. Next week, we're going to have an interview with Krishna. He is the creator of the PC Weenies, somebody that I've known for, oh my gosh, 12, 13 years. Really looking forward to having him on OWC Radio number 26. So we will see you guys next week. Uh, make sure you visit www.maxsales.com for all the latest and greatest in tech gear for your Macintosh. And if you want to find any show notes, links, and those sort of things for OWC Radio, yep, go to OWCRadio.com. See you next week.